dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hey friends, thanks for listening. This is Mother Natalia. Today's episode is kind of Father Michael's, but he really passes it off to his friends and my friends, Libby and Sandy. Sandy and I just met. She's really great. You're going to love her. And they are sharing their experiences as um, in really embracing the full Byzantine fast for the first couple of times as Roman Catholics. Um, They talk about the balance between personalization in our fasting and, and also kind of universal standards and where to fall there. They talk about the difference between receiving and grasping and how fasting helps us with that. Um, You'll also get some references to Dr. Dre again, Anderson (laughs) Pack again. Is that the right name? I meant to ask beforehand. Okay. Anderson Pack, Um, Kanye West, and most importantly, Michael Dorn. So if you are a hashtag banter hater, I really wouldn't skip anything because if you do, you're going to miss the introductions. But um, if you do, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, there was intros and stuff. All right. Love you guys. Christ is risen. Indeed he is risen. Hello, ladies. So many I have ladies. Three, I have three of my favorite spiritual daughters with me today. Uh-huh. Aww. <laughs> uh, Very different responses. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who you heard was, and I, I was going to ask you beforehand, but I thought, you know what? People love it when I just totally mess things up on this podcast. It's like yes. part of your. So, so I'm going to try. I'm going to try to introduce the two of you, Libby and Sandy. Ooh. I know, and I, this may be horribly <laughs> embarrassing for me because I think I know where you're from. Where you went to school, what you're doing with your lives, I should as your spiritual father, but I'm going to try it anyway. Um, so, on my left, nobody can see. I guess they don't care. But is is uh, Elizabeth Reichert? We call her Libby. Um, she born and raised in Oklahoma, Kansas, yes. Kansas, <laughs> one of those Great one of those start. Midwestern states. <laughs> Great start, exactly. Born raised. I was to say you're not because like Kansas is kind of a, a Midwestern and Oklahoma is kind of a Southern state, right? Yeah, a little more Southern. A little more Southern. Okay, so um, so born and raised in Kansas, uh, good Catholic family, raised in the faith. Um, went to school in. She is she is a theologian. She has a, a doctorate in moral theolo- theology. Um, so she went to school Steubenville, and somewhere in New York, Fordham. Fordham and somewhere in Spain, Navarra, and <laughs> and and uh, Santa Croce in Rome. Yes. Okay. So uh, <laughs> all all the school, and she is a world traveler in three days. What's today? Thursday. In three days, she's flying to France and Turkey to spend her summer there. And England. And England to spend her summer there. She is an avid rock climber and obviously a theologian. And she has friends that have become nuns. And so she's visiting them. Who, who are you? What are you doing in England? In England, I'm going to a conference at Oxford on That's Christology. Right. She's giving a talk in, at Oxford. She's kind of a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And then on what? On Christology? Yeah. Okay, on Christology. And and by the way, I think both of these ladies, I hope you're going to hear from again, dear listeners, because um, there there's a lot going on in both their lives. And I think what, what they do, how they think, 
how they live their life could be very helpful. But this is a very specific topic we'll get to in a moment. Um, and yes, so she teaches at St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, and she's teaching the future priests of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and Southern California. Basically all of the Southwest. All the Southwest, okay. Mm -hmm. Teaching no all forming deal. teaching, no mm -hmm. big deal. Exactly, mm -hmm. all of all of those, especially teaching the moral theology. I think I can say with confidence um, that she is probably the favorite professor of the entire seminary, <laughs> and she's yeah. and she's she's not even going to deny it because she knows it's true. And um, and it's it's I just I know I hear from the seminarians as well um, that that they love her as a human, as a person of. Uh, as a woman, as a theologian, as a uh, formator in a sense. I know that's there's a distinguishment there, but, but you're an instructor professor there. Um, and she's a uh, parishioner at the Proto-Cathedral St. Mary um, here in Los Angeles. Also very involved in our new outreach in Santa Paula, California, since we just bought a church, bought a building. We close on it on Tuesday, so two days ago. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're now thinking of a name, et cetera. But anyway, there's a lot going on in Southern California right now. And, and Libby's a, a part of a lot of that. So please keep her in prayers. On my right is Sandy Barba. Sandy, born and raised, born and raised Valley girl. Um, <laughs> born and raised in, in Burbank, California. Um, while also spending a few months a year down in Mexico. What part of Mexico? Half the year, basically. Half, um, okay, half the year. Yeah. And Guadalajara? Close by the okay. Patitlan. Okay, in uh, <laughs> in Mexico. So she's she lives in Santa Barbara. She went to school at UC Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. so uh, uh, University of California Santa Barbara. And then when she graduated, she became a folks missionary, which I have a lot of in my family. And she served as folks missionary in San Diego, and Denver, Colorado, at the School of Mines. That's well, where not in San Diego? In yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Golden Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> West Denver is what I tell people. What, um, yeah. And sorry, what was your where, name? Where, where, which uh, school did you mission at in San Diego? San Diego State. San Diego State. And first was Oregon, too. Oh, okay. Little Eugene, Oregon. Okay. And uh, which and University of School of Mines was where Mother Natalia went, but they miss each other by five years, Yeah, I think. Um, six Mother's years. old, uh -huh. and I'm six. older. Okay, and... She studied math. I did not, obviously. Um, I did not study math. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of math, but... You, you studied left brain right. stuff. There you go. I did not, okay. obviously. That's fair. Um, and then Sandy, I met Sandy um, at the social after mass. For those of you that are Catholic stuff <laughs> listeners, um, Sandy would come to every once in a while. I think we only hung out once or twice, yeah. but to um, a couple of my masses when I was doing Roman Catholic mass at Joan of Arc, um, Father Nathan Goebel's parish where I lived. And uh, we had donuts. What, what's, what do you always say when we talk about that? Donies with Joni. Donies they were with Joni. Uh, Friendship Thursdays, okay. but we called them Donies with Joni. Donies so with Joni. on Thursdays. I don't and get Joni it. was a human, right? Sorry? Joni was a person who served donuts. Is that what it was? No, no, no. Joan of Arc. Uh, oh, Joan of Arc. Joni. Joni. It was Donies with I've spent Joni. like the past three <laughs> years thinking there was like a person, Joni, that used to serve <laughs> donuts. And no. I'm like, did I miss? Did I forget a name? Joan of Arc. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Joan of Arc Parish. That's really amazing, and, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and she is currently, uh, she's worked, when I met you here, you were working at the Reagan Ranch. Yeah. At the Reagan yeah. Ranch, which I've still never been to. Jesus and Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then now she works at St. Julie Billiard. St. Julie Billiard in uh, Thousand Oaks, California. 
And she's a parishioner at the outreach up in now Santa Paula. And she is going to be one of, of our two fluent Spanish speakers um, <laughs> that evangelize the neighborhood. Because we bought the church off of a Spanish-speaking community. Um, so we want to uh, jump in right away. I've already asked her. Um, so this is now even more commitment, Sandy, since oh, I'm saying this. That yeah. uh, she's going to hopefully lead Bible studies, Spanish-speaking Bible studies in our neighborhood in Very Santa Paula. Cool. because. Our church is in a very Spanish-speaking neighborhood, so we want to make sure that we we provide for the uh, the community in which we were put. It's it's pretty pretty obvious that our Lord, um, in the time He did, gave us this church um, in this neighborhood in this part of Ventura County, which is where our outreach is, and all the other things that our Lord has been asking us to do. Um, so, yeah, both these ladies, my spiritual daughters, for a while, and both are um, very involved in parish life, and. That is why I wanted to have them on this podcast. Great. Welcome, Libby. But Welcome, Sandy. I just see so you have a timing for the banter. I don't think we should have any banter this time, actually, just because I introduced them right away. <laughs> I feel away. like we that normally... counted as banter. Yeah, I think it counted better. But, but can I just wanna, I want to, I want to, I don't think I said this to you ladies. I want, I want to banter for one moment <laughs> about <laughs> Dr. Dre. Oh, my um, gosh. Actually, why? not about Dr. Dre at all. It's not about Dr. Dr. Dre at all. No, it's not about Anson uh-huh. Pack either. See, so this is where we're going with this. Mother <laughs> does not care. So Sandy is the one who took the photo of me and Anderson Pack. Um, <laughs> yeah. She does not care. At all. <laughs> I like, don't care. She took the photo bit. that we've used for our our image. Sorry, did we give? Did we pay you for that? No, okay. I don't care. I don't need to pay. But you used it. We did use it. Oh. We used it, we used it on our uh, for one of our podcasts. Anyway, so so mother does not care, but then she did care. <gasps> oh, I totally care. I know where she you're totally going with cares. this. So so what happened was is Sandy and I. I think I've told the story. I heard my first time there. I was um, at Taisha with a friend, and that was when I met Dr. Dre or looked at Dr. Dre. He looked at me for a second. Um, on my first time at Thai show, and then I heard that time that Anderson Pack came as well, and I was much more interested in Anderson Pack. Sorry, Dr. Dre, if you listen. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally does. <laughs> and so then I came in later on, and and Figs, who's my friend, um, had told me she was going to alert me if Anderson Pack was ever there. Sandy and I show up randomly to Thai show, and Steph comes over, Figs comes over with four shot glasses. And Saki, so that St- uh, that Sandy, me, Figs, and and uh, Anderson Pack can have shots, and that's exactly what happened. And Mother does not care at all. Not but, even a little bit. But so then Andrew Whaley this and I, is who so you, much cooler, who, who you all know, Andrew Whaley and I walk in. Do you guys know about of, this? Do they know? No, I don't, I don't think. They oh, do. just I wait. Don't think they do. Just wait. Okay. <laughs> so so Whaley and I walk into Thai show, and there's there's like a lot of spots at the bar, which is rare, mm-hmm. and and there's this guy sitting right on the corner. Um, and so we can kind of, we sit next to him and Whaley sits right next to him. I sit next to Whaley and, and he's kind of around the corner. So we have a nice place to talk. So Whaley's telling horribly corny jokes about polar bears and big paws and things like this. Um, and this guy's just not laughing at all. So Andrew Whaley's like, he tells the bartender anyway. And, but both of us, at some point we look at him like, who is that guy? We recognize this guy from somewhere, which happens all the time in LA and which happens all the time at this restaurant. This must be someone who we've seen somewhere on TV, but but neither of us say anything. We both, neither of us have any idea. It's this, this older guy, uh, graying beard, um, you know, just, and we're like, well, maybe when he was younger, he did something we would have seen. So then we leave and we have our nightcap 
um, back at the convent where where we live. Actually, you live at a convent too, Sandy. This is true. Um, former convent. Well, I live at a co- former convent as well. And, and uh, Andrew Whaley's currently in my uh, guest room. So then <laughs> Whaley says, I think he's like, I'm going to look up and see who that is. Because oftentimes people will, on Instagram, they like post that they were at Thai show and then you can see who they are. So Whaley's looking and goes, I think if I know who that is, I think mother Natalia is going to freak out. <laughs> Absolutely going to freak out. So, so all of a Maddie sudden, Maddie was goes, in the car with me when he texted. By the way, <laughs> is this like a famous physicist or something? No, close, 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 close. Oh, uh, actually, uh, do you, can you guess someone who who's been on TV? Can you even guess the show? No. Do you know Mother Natalia at all? If if I said one show, there's one show. Um. That, that, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look at my backpack. I was gonna say. Uh, oh, Star Trek. Trek? So all, all listeners are screaming right now into their radio, Star Trek, Star Trek. So it is, it is, he introduces himself as Michael and it is Michael Dorn who plays Worf. They Star sat Trek. next to Worf. <laughs> <laughs> that is way cooler than Dr. Dre or <laughs> you totally Anderson went to mine's pack. So, um, so then she, she just sends me a text. I didn't know that Whaley told her. So she sends me a text and says, I have so much more respect for you now. Something like that. Right. In a text, um, because I sat next to Worf. Um, and that was, that's why she respects you more. So then I sent a, since I plead ignorance about Star Trek all the time and I love, I love Star Wars. I sent a picture of Lando Calrissian, um, to her because <laughs> they're both the token black guys from, from both of those shows. <laughs> I did not and make that, that connection. I didn't realize that's why you did it. Oh, okay. I just knew I that just, you were doing Star Wars and I was like, come on. Okay. So I sent a picture of Lando Carrozzi like, like kind of doing this like nod, like thank you type thing. And, and then she just like, she put like, I hate you or something like that. I did not. It wasn't that. She didn't say I hate you. But I might have said you're the worst or something. That's okay. That's probably it. It's probably the worst. Anyway, so now now mother actually cares when we run into celebrities here in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, or at least. here's the thing. We're, I'm not even like, <laughs> it's not even that exciting to me that it was um, Michael Dorn. It would have been, it's it's the fact that Michael Dorn was in such close proximity to Patrick Stewart and Brent Spiner. Like if you had met, if you had met Data or Jean-Luc Picard, I would have just, I didn't know I would have moved Spiner to LA. Was, so now I know. He, they, yeah, Brent Spiner was Data. I would have moved to LA. Right, how do we make that happen then? I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on this. We'll, now, well, next time, if I become good friends with Worf, I'm not, I'm just going to call him Worf. That'll be so offensive to him, actually, if, if I just call him Worf. <laughs> Yes. Michael. His name is Michael. No, you have to totally listen, listen. You need to totally play it off. If you see him again, like you can't fangirl over him because then he's just gonna be like, Oh, this guy's just like every other fangirl. That's weird. Anyways, um (laughs) you need to just pretend like you still don't know. And then at some point when you're talking to him, if if he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I was on this show and then like, oh, what show? And he says, Oh, Star Trek, and you're like, Oh, you know, I'm not really into Star Trek, but I know a nun <laughs> who is obsessed with Star Trek. And then he'll take a picture and then he'll come visit the monastery and he'll come on Pustinia <laughs> and have dinner with us and we'll go for a walk and he'll tell me all his stories about Brent Spiner and Patrick Stewart. So 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 mother. <laughs> What happened was, is I, I already thought through this. I've, I've prepared, and I, I thought that's so insincere. So you can get him to write my life profession letter. <laughs> what? 
you know, I, I did. I oh yeah, that's the one I'm supposed to write to her. Actually, sorry, that's that's an, that's not an inside joke for listeners because they know that I've owed her a letter for what nine and a half years. Something I think. like that, yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, you, you know what I want is a gift for my life profession, just a letter. I was and being totally it, serious. It's only been like two weeks since her life profession, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that far behind. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will, I promise you I will write a letter. But, um, but I thought through it, I was like, I can't, I just can't be insincere. I, I, I would need to say like, Michael, I met you, I had no idea who you were, but supposedly my buddy who told the polar bear joke um, so this this is the this is the polar bear joke that Andrew really likes to tell. Um, so polar bear walks in a bar. I got now. I got to get this straight. I got to think through it. And he and the polar bear says, "I'm gonna make it really short." He makes it longer. The polar bear says, "I'll have a rum and coke." And the bartender says, "Why the big pause?" And he goes, "Cause I'm a polar bear." <laughs> <laughs> so that's so I he laughed as much Michael Dorn Worf laughed as much as as mother just laughed and Sandy just laughed <laughs> Libby gave at least a, a courtesy giggle so Whaley will be proud of you um, but anyway so I'm gonna say remember the polar bear joke I'm only not friend. laughing because I don't get it <laughs> the big pause like oh P-A-W-S. Like, P-A-W-S. P-A-W-S. no that's really funny I just oh, didn't get it <laughs> I thought I had something that because it's whaley. That is not true. (laughs) Although he is so funny. Um, No, it's because I was thinking it had something to do with the fact that it's a polar bear versus like a grizzly bear, or and I was like, "What is polar?" I know. I kind of, I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, "Well, do they really have the biggest paws?" I don't know. I'm not a biologist. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Has been quoted recently. (laughs) Um, Libby gets it. Um, Okay. So the reason <laughs> longest banter ever, just so that on you could embarrass me for being a nerd. That was on, the whole point of that banter. Introducing them wasn't banter. Introducing them was very, very important in the beginning. We did banter in the middle. Um, so the reason why I want these these two ladies on is because um, they so beautifully this year for the first time for both of them. I don't know if beautiful is the word, did, Father. Did, did, that, did we? <laughs> you did. It was it was and beautifully compared to me for sure. So <laughs> they decided that they were gonna lean in to the Byzantine great fast. And they were going to go vegan for the entire great fast. Um for the first time ever. And both of them are very, very healthy. And both of them are very, very athletic. And and both of them have their lives together, um, and so they decided to <laughs> they decided to to really embrace this in a way that was incredibly inspiring to me, and so we we had a text thread going where I would send them pictures of microwaved beans and rice and oatmeal <laughs> and uh, peanut butter sandwiches, and they would judge me, and then um, then they would send pictures of what they were eating. I think I sent you a couple times a picture of like store bought ramen that was vegan, yeah. <laughs> like at, well, at at the ramen place. Um, but they would they would spend so much time and effort going shopping, and 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 spending time cooking these very very healthy, sometimes more tasty than other, um, vegan meals for themselves because they cook at home. So I I would really like ladies to hear just any of your. Let's start with Libby. A- any experiences you have of what that was like going from being a very pious Roman Catholic who fasted from meat on Fridays and had two meals on Good Friday and had no meat on Fridays 
and giving up candy bars or whatever. <laughs> totally judging Robocats right now. <laughs> Sorry. I know. I which you realize is like most of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. Sorry. Most of our listeners. Um, He's doing this very um, tongue in cheek. <laughs> I am. Of course. I don't I'm actually, I've never known what that idiom means. So I don't know if I, I just used it correctly. Is that like you? I think you did. Um, okay. But so, so, and then feel free, Sandy, to, to jump in when, when she's talking. Um, but Libby, like, what, what were your basic experiences? And by the end of this, I'm going to be asking, like, anything else you want to say. So we'll, we'll, we'll get everything that's on your minds. But in the beginning, what were your, what were your first experiences of, of, of deciding to be obedient to our, Byzantine Catholic traditions that aren't even mandates from the bishop, but but our our Byzantine Catholic traditions of of no meat, dairy, wine, or oil for the entire forty days. Yeah, so the Great Fast was my second attempt, first attempt at Great Fast. I did the Philip's Fast, but Philip's Fast, at least according to your advice, was I believe allowed wine and oil, and then mitigated on the weekends, which was a huge help. And yes. even at the end of the Philip's Fast, I needed every day until the great fast started because I was so <laughs> done. I never, ever wanted to do it again. Um, so the great fast went slightly better. But if you're asking the question about switching from Roman Catholic practices to Byzantine practices, I've done various fasting practices and given up various things um, during Lent as a Roman Catholic. And one of the big changes for me was as a Roman Catholic, there's a lot of personal decision-making. And there's something beautiful about that in that you're trying to decide what is going to be good for your soul. Because let's say, I don't know, someone with an eating disorder, right? So like fasting may not be the healthiest thing for them. And so maybe choosing something else is better. And so I like that aspect of personal discernment. But to me, the Byzantine practice gets kind of the best of both worlds because I felt very much like a child. Like I was going to mother church who was going to teach me how to become holy in this liturgical season through these practices. So kind of like almost, I don't know, throwing out the playbook, starting over and what what does the church want to teach me in this season? But then combining that with the regular advice of go to your spiritual father. So this is the ideal, this is the tradition and go to your spiritual father if you need to make adjustments for your health or for other various reasons. But I really like that then your spiritual father is supposed to know you and help you to discern what would be good for your soul. So you aren't just like, Father, this doesn't work for me. I'm going to propose something else. Like ideally, the spiritual father proposes something. And so that was a big change for me from like this very personal by yourself decision making to like learning from the church and then under the guidance of a spiritual father of what's going to be beneficial to your soul. There, there are so many there. I mean, obviously, the Roman Catholic Church is so massive and that there are so many memes and guides online and they all go over social media, like here's the guidelines. Um, and yet within that, of course, there's an understanding of, you know, it, like even when we were kids, give something up. So make, make it personal as well as following the guidelines of the church. Um, but in the Byzantine church, what I'm hearing is that the there's stricter guidelines that that go against our very American way of being able to grocery shop every day or every week of, of being able to, to, to go buy something new, to, to try new things, the diversity of, of foods that we have access to year round where there's no seasonal foods really because um, we, we ship in food from everywhere. It's a very different situation than, than it is when these rules were made. Um, but like you said, being obedient to a, a stricter that is more restrictive even than they would have experienced hundreds of years ago because they did not, ha- did not have access to all these things. And I mean, and you guys are both health nuts in a way, if I can call you that. 
So you you think through all these things. So even even the access to really healthy things, I, I would guess that that you actually had to kind of um, res- like eat a little more unhealthy, mm-hmm. even being vegan than you would normally. Yeah. Sandy, you have something to say about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mean going into it or just like like, like did, did you eat? Were you frustrated by your inability to eat? whatever you thought was best. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was just, I mean, Libby and I talk about this. Um, we focus a lot on, um, not entirely focused, but just getting enough protein and, and eating just well enough that so it fuels us throughout our day. And protein, at least complete proteins on a vegan diet are not abundant um, by any means, unless you're going to stuff your face with like tempeh or chickpeas because soy isn't that great for you. So it was, it was definitely interesting. And there was a lot of pea protein, pea mm-hmm. protein powder, um, which tastes like chalk and it's actually quite <laughs> awful. Mm-hmm. Actually, Libby and I had, um, we, we joked about kind of our, our fasting meals and, and with you as well, actually about, um, you know, having, having like a section or maybe even a guidebook for extra penitential meals. And I definitely had quite a few of those when just trying to find a balance of something that is going to be fueling and good for me, but also um, adherent to the fast. So, yeah. I know we were, Sandy and I were talking about this a little bit on the drive up here. Of, <laughs> you know, we're people who pay attention to our diet, balancing our macronutrients, getting enough protein. And there's, I think, a balance that you need to strike even outside of the fast between proper virtue and attention to your health such that then I can better serve the Lord minister to others that I have, especially like as an educator, I need to have a clear mind. And so my diet contributes to that a lot. And that's why I pay attention to my diet. And so it's not just out of some obsession of like, whatever you think the perfect body is, but it allows me to think clearly when I eat more healthy, but to not fall into idolatry of perfect diet, of perfect health. And so it's a kind of hard balance to strike in the fast because this does change your diet. And I've noticed the effect of like greater sluggishness or a little bit of brain fog Mm -hmm. that I don't normally have. I have like higher carbs and lower protein in the fast. And so accepting like, when does God want me to love? Like, how does God want me to love him in this? Does he want me to accept the fact that I'm going to be a little bit more tired? I'm not going to think quite as clearly. Or do I go to my spiritual father and say, hey, this isn't working for me. Where can we adjust? What's going to be good for me there? Hmm. And I think that's part of the beauty of what you were saying earlier, Libby, as well of, you know, I was just reading, I'm reading something right now called The Angelic Life, which is a compilation of just... um, like a lot of monastic writings, but it's a very modern compilation mm-hmm. um, of these ancient writings. And so like it's got stuff from the rule of Pacomius and things like that. And uh, I was just reading either this morning or last night, Father Michael makes fun of me because it's my teeth brushing book. So I read it while I brush my teeth. <laughs> and um, the it, it was emphasizing again, this fact that we're supposed to reveal all of our thoughts to our spiritual father or our spiritual mother and not only the negative things and the struggles, but even, but just like all of our thoughts. Right. Um, and so ideally if you're doing that with your spiritual father and you're saying, even this is my experience of the sluggishness, they can even help you discern whether or not that needs to, like they can help you discern whether this is something that God wants you to just accept the sluggishness or want, whether he wants to give some sort of dispensation. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and Libby and I actually were talking about this a little bit when we think about the fast and personally even going to the fast. I was I was in a already and I think entered more deeply into a place of of really just being dependent and allowing myself to be provided for by the father and both spiritually as well by my spiritual father. And so getting to lean into that and thinking about, you know, the the intention of the fast and actually, Father Michael, I don't know if maybe you want to share what you shared with me when we talked about entering into the fast and some of the the writings of the church fathers and how they described entering into it, because that I think that's what sold me initially in jumping in. One one thing I have to recommend, um, two things that I probably, I don't remember, I'm, I'm going to tap into like what yeah. I probably told you and then you correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but then there were, there were two books. You just Life sounded the like world. the Psalms, by the way. You're like, one thing I'd like to say, two things I say. <laughs> 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 I've always wondered why they do that in the, in the Psalms. It's like, um, do you yeah. guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Or in yeah. Proverbs and things like that. It's like two things I cannot stand, three things I abhor. And I'm like, what, what is, anyways, okay, continue. <laughs> Probably just rhetoric or, uh, or yeah, poetry, I know, but, yeah. Um, so I I highly recommend um, Callistos Ware's uh, Lenten Triodian and the introduction to it. Um, that was mind blowing last year to me. I, I read I had read parts of it in seminary. Um, thank God they had introduced it to us there. But um, reading that to, it gave a lot of the the meaning behind the fast in like every way of it, which is what especially contemporary people want. Why? 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 We should be asking why. And it gave a lot of examples. But I think what you're talking about, Sandy, was um, I read Alexander Schmemann's uh, For the Life of the World, and in the beginning of that, he talks about. Um, Adam and Eve in the garden. He talks about the food offered to them. Um, I love how he says, and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but he he, he talks about how along with the command to uh, be fruitful and multiply, which is the command we all know, um, there's also the command to go and eat. And so he, he built into us, um, into our humanity, uh, the the need to be co-creators and procreators and and to to multiply and to to tend and care for but also to overcome the earth to make sure that we are able to control the rest of creation including ourselves um but we are also he says we are also created hungry and and he takes the very atheist statement you are what you eat meaning you're only physical right because what we eat you guys know this better than i do although i i i will be realizing in the next few years um if you don't eat that well <laughs> you 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 are not gonna be healthy and just like you said libby right it's actually a ministry being healthy is a ministry to others as well we we, we take care of ourselves so that we can be instruments that god intends um but but within this there is a um within the the gift of all the plants except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil um, within those gifts, we we become receivers. What Mother Gabriella just recorded a, a podcast this morning. She was talking about leisure and how leisure time, when when properly understood and properly enacted, is all about being receivers of a gift and then processing those gifts. And Alexander Schmemann says even that that what Adam and Eve become since they return the return with a blessing, they become priests, they become mediators and sacrificers. They give back to God in this blessing, what he's given them. And he's given them the fruits of all the trees and all the plants of the garden. Um, so in that way, then they, of course, they decide to grasp at the one thing that they are not offered. And that becomes their downfall. And they, they lose their priesthood in a sense. They lose their ability to return 
with gratitude and with a blessing to what they receive from God. We, of course, as, as a ministerial priest, I take the bread and the wine that's offered by the people that originated in the earth, and I offer it back to God, especially like during the Anaphorite, we offer to you your own from your own. So I, I'm, I'm offering the gifts of the people, but now by the grace of the Holy Spirit and, and God, it has become the body of Christ. So now I don't only offer what the people gave, I offer a person and a God, Jesus Christ, back to God the Father. So there's something about being being recipients of of what God has given and only participating in what we're invited into. So, and that that's why that was mind blowing this year. I was just talking to Libby about this yesterday. Um, and and actually I'd love for you to explain this a little bit, Libby, as well. But the the difference between and this was only this year. I had never read the beginning of, of For the Life of the World before, to my shame. Um, <laughs> but but I when I heard that I actually changed my mindset because Father Nathan and I, my my assistant for the next month, um, before he gets moved, um, he and I would talk about he was very much a letter of the law guy and he would he would he would eat all of the the fake things like cereal with oat milk and that's what I would do if I was cheating I forget what he would do he'd have um, various proteins that tasted like the proteins we want to eat and I just considered that cheating you and I used to argue about this all the time we would and and now sorry you were right mother after all these years sorry what did you you say <laughs> Hashtag, you were right. Um, because there is a when when it comes to the church guiding us, you know, through a spiritual father, or spiritual mother, or just by the church, there is a certain we only want to eat what we're what we're offered. And during the great fast, that that is restricted for our benefit, and it changes. And there's less that we can eat, but we're still only eating things that are vegan um, in that sense to overgeneralize. Um, and so there, there is a beauty to saying, I, I am eating, it's the letter of the law, I'm eating only what the church offers me to eat, and in that I have spiritual growth because I'm, I'm being obedient. Um, but the other one, and maybe Libby, since we talked about this yesterday, if you could, if you could go into a little bit, thank you for kicking that off, Sandy. Um, if you go into a little bit what, what the other one is about, you already touched on it in, in this episode, um, what it means to, to have um, a personalized uh, understanding of the, the sacrifices, small and large, that, that are offered to us during the great fast that, that help us grow in holiness. Well, going off of those tops that you just said and of like these imitations, I'd actually love if I can to ask Mother Natalia before I share anything, because I'm really interested to know learning from you and like living in the monastery and doing this in community, because this is something in my experience of the fast, I feel like I'm trying to figure it out alone, which is why our text group and sharing our meal ideas was really good, because I think if you've grown up in a family, you'll gradually be educated in this. And you would probably have go-to meals, just like Roman Catholics have their go-to fresh fish fry or they're filet fish and you go to McDonald's or whatever it is. And so I didn't grow up with this. And so I'm kind of starting from scratch and figuring it out. And, and so it's helpful to learn best practices or ideas from other communities, how to live this well. And so I want to see what you've learned in community, especially about this question of imitation food or substitutes mm-hmm. where you have, you know, oat milk, or I have vegan butters that I like as much or more than oh, regular butters or like much. the chicken nuggets or all of these things, the hamburgers that aren't, you know, um, vegan hamburgers. And so that's clearly like the following the letter of the law doesn't violate vegan. Um, but what do you do in the monastery as far as like following the spirit of the fast versus the letter of the law and kind of imitation foods? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, well, first of all, the thing that 
I'll start with before I even touch on that because I was thinking of it earlier when you when you were talking, Libby. Is you know I I agree with this concept of like the church gives us this structure and there is something beautiful about like just taking that on and following that because I think there are, there are times where we want to do maybe even more or we want to do something different. We want to personalize it, like you're saying. And I, I, I totally see the beauty of that, like you were talking about. Um, but I think that there's something in our Western mindset. I don't mean Western Catholic. I mean, Western world. There's something in our Western mindset. Uh, that's actually probably pretty globalized at this point of just this individualization and this like, um, I need to be totally independent and I make my decisions and I, and so there's, there's such an unwillingness to kind of turn things over to other people that there's a beauty in doing that with the given structure of the church. Um, and I'm thinking to, to touch on what it's like as a monastic, you know, one of the other nuns, she's shared very openly, just like, you know, I don't feel like I need to discern with this fast, um, what I'm going to do personally, because like, frankly, what we do as a community is enough. <laughs> and like God always purifies and he always purges just through the given structure of the fasting and prayer and almsgiving and all of that. Like those things are naturally kicked up during fasting periods. Um, and, and we, I've, I've shared this multiple times on the podcast, but there's actually um, part, a, a line in our Tipicon, which is our rule of life that, we're not allowed to take on additional fasting without getting permission from the hegumena. Um, and I think from our spiritual father, I don't remember, but I, I typically ask them both if I want to do something. So uh, because there there is something about just trusting that um, God can act and does act outside of the boundaries that we try to put on him. And so there is something to that. So as far as fasting as a community, it's it's really interesting because there is, in part, it's much easier simply because we have the support. And um, you would think it's easier because like we're all just eating the same thing. But actually in our community, there are um, a few nuns that have health problems that like they can't do the same fasting. And so they've figured out with mother and with their spiritual fathers and whatever, what their fast looks like. Um, so, you know, it is interesting to be like um, during the great fast and also I'm cooking meat for my sister or I'm smelling the meat being cooked or, or things like that. You know, there's something interesting there. Um, but the, I would also recommend um what Father Michael said, the Triodian and for the life of the world, but also anything you can read by John Chrysostom on fasting is very beautiful. Like if you just Google John Chrysostom and fasting, um, he's got really beautiful things to say about it That because he talks about fasting when you have illness and things like that. Um, but as far as the imitation things, I, I don't know how to articulate the distinctions, but there are distinctions in the monastery. So for instance, we don't buy like vegan cheese. Um, we don't get uh, vegan hamburgers. We don't do those kinds of things, but we will make bean burgers at home. 
um, or sweet potato burritos, which is a weird thing, but they're actually like pretty delicious. Um, and we will use alternative milks or alternative butters. Um, and yeah, so I don't, I don't really know what the distinction there is, but I think it's, it's something like we are not trying to eat things that will taste like their alternative. I guess maybe that's what it is. Like a lot of the vegetarian burgers, they're like striving to taste like a real burger. And that's not really what we do. Um, and, and same thing with like cheese. Um, like we'll make, we'll make vegan mac and cheese things with like a cashew base, but like it doesn't taste like real mac and cheese, right? And it's not really going for that. But um, I don't know. Yeah. I'd love to hear from any of you um, what what the spiritual benefit was. Actually, real quick, Sandy, w- w- when you asked me that question earlier, were you getting at that you had a spiritual moment because of the <laughs> giftedness, the the, sh- the idea of shmemen? And yeah. The, the, okay. If could could you share that? Sure. I mean, kind of like you explained, that was one of my motivations, I think, to jump into it because in my own prayer, I was just kind of in this season and really leaning into dependence and and trusting in that provision of the Lord. And so you're kind of recalling of, you know, our experience of the garden and being provided for was, I think, definitely the catalyst for me to, to take on the fast in that way. And the experience in itself was, um, was very much that, um, but I think it did reveal a lot on the spiritual side of you know what my own relationship with the Father and with the Lord looks like as a provider and in that way. Um, and I guess maybe it could lean into some of those imitation foods or thoughts as well. But um, Libby and I were just talking about this as well. Um, I and I talked to you about this about how <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like the stages of grief, like as you begin, right? So, um, kind of jumping in, I remember in those first couple of weeks, um, I was just I was an angry vegan, honestly. <laughs> you know, I was like stupid veganism, like, um, um, and yeah, just jumping in and trying to trying to figure out what worked, um, and especially in those moments where it was hard, I just realized my. Um, my not tendon I guess the desire to just grasp for something simpler and easier when when the fast wasn't easy it's like I have this inclination to just eat cheese I love cheese you know (laughs) or whatever it might be um and then as it progressed you know we sent each other our meals some of them were really awful some of them were good um and we kind of kept going in that direction and I think somewhere along the middle um Libby and I recalled to each other through this through this um thread of like we we've gotten so much better at the fast recently you know I've realized that I haven't I haven't not 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 noticed it but I've been doing better and then we stopped and we're like oh yeah I mean we just stopped caring about food so (laughs) (laughs) at some point um but then I thought about that in itself and it was kind of a a thought of you know, did I stop caring about food because I've surrendered to this provision or was it really just because I kind of gave up, you know, (laughs) I gave up and feeling like I was going to be eating well, like I was going to be provided for and satisfied. And so in that, I was like, okay, well now I need to shift again and, you know, figure out how do I actually lean into this 
deficit or hunger or whatever and and kind of unite that to the Lord. And Libby and I had quite a few conversations about that as well and some extra penitential meals. Yeah. What, what do you think it was? Um, I mean, it, I'm, I'm guessing it's a little bit of, you know, 80-20, 50-50. What do you think it was between that? Did you... Because I love how you started off the great fast, like leaning into you, you're going to be provided for by God because mm-hmm. you're, what I hear is that you're, you're separating, you're stepping away from your own control over what you eat yeah. because you study this stuff deeply and you, you, you've stepped away from that and you trust that over the, through the guidance of the church mm-hmm. and you're going to be provided for, um, did that fade? Did you get that back afterwards? Did, was there an insight into that? Yeah. No, I I think I I did get that back, um, but yeah, it was just kind of it was this long process. It faded for a little bit, where it was just kind of like oh, I'm just doing this right, and I think sometimes we fall into the tendency to just go through the motion, and I'm just gonna continue to do this. But yeah, I think I just really intentionally, especially in my own prayer and my conversations with you all, um, thought about how do I I lean into. Um, how do I lean into this? And, um, I specifically actually have, um, I encountered Jesus a lot in a, in a field of roses. And so mm. there, um, was this very specific prayer. I think that I remembered that I had, um, when I was a focus missionary in San Diego. And I remember being a little girl in this garden of roses and, um, kind of running through it and having like pricks on my arms from the thorns and, but, and then encountering the father and he kind of picks me up and I don't say anything about like these pricks because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm with the father, you know, this is great. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, why didn't you tell me? Because I'm kind of vaguely bleeding everywhere. And I was like, but you know, everything's fine. Everything's good. I'm with you. And he just kind of laughed and he was like, what are, come on, you know, tell me. And very quickly kind of started to heal that and. It was all fine and good and it was so easy, but I think a lot of times it was in this perspective of, okay, I'm in this fast, I'm allowing myself to be provided for in some way, and that's just good. Um, and I think the Lord very much through that prayer and bringing that back kind of reminded me of there's more I desire to give you. And so I was actually brought back to that prayer moment during the fast where it was like I had all these flowers in my hand and he was trying to give me more, but I wouldn't release kind of this thought. And so... Yeah, I, I don't know, just kind of leaning into that and seeing, you know, what are the ways where I just kind of want to settle here and say this is okay and, you know, we're going to let it be what it is and where where is the Lord pushing me out of that to continue to strive um, for that. Beautiful. Yeah. And I know Sandy and I, we both experienced a moment of receiving a gift from God when we were about to have a breakdown. We just realized <laughs> on the car ride here, um, both of us were, I was doing better in the Great Fast than I was in Philip's Fast. Like I said, by the end of Philip's Fast, I was so done. And so Great Fast was going better, partly out of apathy and defeat. And <laughs> it got to March 24th and I just hit a wall. I was in the refectory or the cafeteria at the seminary making yet another salad full of like iceberg lettuce, vegetables, <laughs> no olive Tofu. oil. So like just vinegar and then tofu like uncooked white tofu and trying to crunch it up enough like spread it out so you don't really realize you're eating it in every bite just to like be able to stomach it (laughs) and I was so done I was like I cannot do this another day I can't have another tofu salad with no dressing and then I realized that it was March 24th 
and that the next day was March 25th and we had a mitigation of the fast. And it was just like such a gift from God of like right when I was ready to like just like raise the white flag and give up, um, he gave me a gift. And we talked mm-hmm. about, I don't remember what your meal was, Sandy. The first thing I ate on the 25th that was a break of the fast was my roommate and I, we've been making homemade sourdough bread and I just dipped it in olive oil. And the olive oil was the most amazing thing I've ever had in my life. It was so good. It was such a gift. Yeah. That's like, that's like my- the greatest mitigation. Like people think it's crazy, but I'm like, oil is what I'm yes. like. It is so exciting mm-hmm. to have a salad on the weekend during the fast. Like I can have, he let you have oil on the weekends, right? Because that's a thing. I did not. <laughs> Excuse news me? to be a mother to tell you. What? This, the, the, according to our Ruthenian Typicon, it does not say mitigation on Saturdays. It's you can have, wait, but uh, could we on Sundays? Wait, I, are you kidding I, me? I don't think so. I don't. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. sorry I, I, I feel very attacked right now. <laughs> Surrounded and attacked. I I need to double check. I'm 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 pretty sure. Check your check your Typicons. That does not mention any mitigation on the weekends on our Ruthenian Typicon. Okay. So the the Christ the Bridegroom Typicon is more more merciful, if you will, in a direct human way. Yeah, you can't have fish way. on the weekends. Um, that's see, only Annunciation and Palm Sunday. But you. But can see, this is the thing. Our Typicon also does not mandate the strict fast. Oh yeah. So in other words, so that's may probably why there's no mitigation. Yeah. But it does say mitigation from wine and oil on certain feasts, like Annunciation. So, how do I get myself out of this one? I know. I'm trying to. I don't I'm, know. I'm just like, I'm just I'm really impressed that up. they didn't even have oil. I, I had this experience when I was at my parents' house. Um, you know, there was something like they asked if I could have a certain bread or something like that because it was. Um, anyways, and I, I said something about like, yeah, you know, we're not like we're not scrupulous about it. Like if we buy a loaf of bread at the store, we don't check all the ingredients to make sure that there's no oil in it or something. And my dad was like, are, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I did that for the whole fast. I, we checked, we wouldn't buy something if it said it had oil in it. And I was like, whoa, you guys are so much holier than me. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling right now with, with Libby and Sandy. Well, and this is something, this idea of like checking the ingredients. I remember Mm -hmm. Andrew Whaley was sharing the story of seeing two priests and one of them was eating a cracker and the other one looked at the box and he said, but there's oil or there's butter or something in these crackers. And the other priest holds up the cracker and he's like, it's a cracker. You can eat a cracker during the fast. (laughs) And so I think that's That's one attitude. But then if we're talking about these imitation foods, I'm like, if I'm eating vegan butter that I like just as much as regular butter, I do feel a little bit more of a responsibility to check the ingredients Mm -hmm. in the other foods if I'm going to allow some of these imitation foods. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And and the the other half of this, um, just to make sure that that we bring it up in this context, the other half of this that I leaned into for years in my own embracing of the great fast, and that that I changed a little bit this year, kind of meditating upon the idea of the the giftedness of the Garden of Eden, um, was just the ability. And we even do this in the fast during the during the pre Lenten period. We we stop having meat a, a week before the great fast begins because you you ease into it. There's an understanding of our humanity in the aspect of saying you know you get you get rid of all the meat in your house. And you all the day in your house and you actually feast you know have these meat fair cheese fair leading up to the great fast but but the 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 spiritual benefit that i was always looking for was more along the lines of and i actually love hearing this from both of you um but what you said sandy about kind of being provided for that's like a 
that's a level. Um, maybe I just feel too provided for all the time, but it, <laughs> that, that, that's like a whole. That's another level of spiritual growth. That's it's absolutely beautiful, and it's really good to hear like that realization. Uh, it, it just it's down to trust, and how much does trust in God affect every aspect of our spiritual life? Um, but mine was always. I want freedom. I want I want freedom. So I want to be able to my body in no way directs my behavior. I want I want ultimate freedom so that every time something is my uh, temptation or any sort of choice is presented to me, I have full power in every way to consider the options, to discern and deliberate about how I'm going to proceed in this choice. Um, and so there's obviously parts of my life where I don't feel that that's a thing yet. I, I, I do not have freedom. I, I, I've told mother the story, even on this podcast a couple of times, where I wanted to go out to on the 30 to the restaurant one night because I'm an extrovert and I'm a sanguine. And I sat down in my car and I thought, you know what? I've never actually like discerned whether I should go out or not. I just go out because I want to. And, and so I sat down in my car and in the garage and I sat there and I was like, Lord, do you want me to go out tonight? Totally expecting it. Yeah, go ahead, son. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, and he was like, no, like, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And what did Stay you do, Father Michael? I went out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him, but see, this, this is what I mean. Like, it's, so it was humble. a total, I, I really love I, it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I but I, I heard our Lord like his voice was like like take it easy. I, I was like I'll go back in. I'll I'll get myself a tea. I'll sit down with a book. I'll sit on my porch. I may even light up a cigar. Like I tried to prepare for the best relaxing evening being home, but I still couldn't do it. I was still like, well, was that really his voice? Or you know, <laughs> actually, I take that back. I pretty much knew it was his voice. <laughs> the reality was is like he'll be fine with it. Like he'll 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 roll his eyes and he'll be like. Like you're such a slave to this, and and then he'll forgive me, and that that that's that that's my spiritual. Life Where I turn hell. to scrupulosity, Father Michael turns yeah. to presumption. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Father Michael told Sandy and I multiple times. He's like, I don't understand why the fast is so difficult. You guys make it too hard, and then every time we would see him, what he'd have a glass of Drink alcohol, he'd announce like, humbly, oh, how he broke the fast that day. Yeah, you tell everybody. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going vegan, or I'm not drinking any wine for forty days, and then I'd sit with him on the weekend, and there he was with a glass of wine. That's Wait, my so favorite, my favorite was on Easter vigil. And so uh, yes. Father announces at the end of Easter Vigil Mass um, or liturgy, he says, now the fast is supposed to go until after Paschal Matins. But if you aren't attending tomorrow morning, you should go ahead and break the fast tonight. So it was almost like a punishment if you're going to the extra yeah. liturgy that you had to continue the fast. So he broke the fast in front of all of us after. He said, vigil. oh, but I'm going. Except oh, you were cow- going. Cowboy got so mad. Uh, no, I, I, but I, I wasn't, I was going, but I wasn't, I wasn't celebrating. <laughs> Neither anyway. was I. You had to celebrate with our neophyte. <laughs> um, no. Yes, well, yeah, I was. I, Thank I, you, Libby. <laughs> I, I have a, a comment actually on, it's a combination of another, like a best practice in response to what Libby asked, but also what you're saying, Father Michael, of wanting to have total control um, as you make uh, any sort of choices and like not wanting your body to rule and it touches on something that Sandy was talking about. Um, so another best practice is like we have, this actually started because of the special diets and the special needs at our monastery, uh, but it's proven to be fruitful in so many ways. We have our menus planned out. Like one of the nuns, it's part of her obedience to plan out the menus. And so when we started the great fast, we literally had all of our meals planned out for the entire fast. 
um, like all of our dinners. And um, what we actually did was, since it's about six weeks, we had three weeks worth of dinners planned out. And then um, on some of the, and then we were supposed to double them up so that we could freeze it so that the second uh, half we could repeat and just pull things out of the freezer. And, but I think that there's an added benefit to that of, first of all, like part of the fast the the three we've talked about this before as well, but but the three components, the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving should all like complement one another. And so the fasting ideally doesn't take more time and energy. Um, it should ideally, once you're like accustomed to it, take less because then that time and energy can be spent um, and cost can be spent like giving more in almsgiving, spending more time in prayer, so on and so forth. And so having the things planned out helped a lot with that and like not having to think those things through. But the other reason it was beneficial is like if you have if you have certain snacks planned out or certain meals planned out or whatever, then when it comes to the time where you're just like, I'm so hungry that I just need to eat something. I can't function. My brain's not working. I'm not being charitable. Um, that's the time when it's the temptation to just like grab the beef jerky or grab the quick thing or grab the thing that like doesn't actually comply with the fast. So it's helpful to have those things thought through beforehand so that you're not just like, controlled by the needs of the body. Um, and the, the last benefit of that is like planning the meals ahead. There would be many days where I'm like, I'm just, I'm the cook for today, but I'm not at all in the mood for what it is we're cooking for dinner. Um, but that's what we're having. And, and there's a, like an additional fast and a beauty to having the choice taken out of it, to having preference taken out of it. Um, of just like, I'm eating what's on the menu, whether or not it's what I desire Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, so anyways, that's one of the best practices I think as well is like go in with your plan of, um, like, what am I going to eat when I'm suddenly hungry and need a quick fix? Um, cause maybe it's a handful of cashews so that I'm also getting like the protein and some oils, or maybe it's like mm-hmm. a piece of avocado toast or something like that, you know? Yeah. Something I think about, uh, now that you say that is, is something I tried to think about, which was planning, but also kind of shifting because I feel like towards the beginning of the fast, I tried to make the things that I normally eat, but with vegan Mm. alternatives. Mm -hmm. So like I make this oatmeal with like flax, chia, hemp seeds. And I tried using like coconut yogurt and vegan protein powder. And oh my gosh, it was the worst thing I had ever had <laughs> in my life. I think I texted Libby and I was like, we I, we would write, you know, like texture, appearance. And this one, I was like zero out of 10. Oh my gosh, this is so bad. <laughs> Not even my chickens wanted to eat it. And my chickens will eat anything. And so it was just, um, but I realized, you know, it, it just wasn't going to work exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And so being able to plan that, but also not trying to reach for everything that I was used to eating all the time time and mm-hmm. just trying to shove it into kind of a weird vegan circle which didn't work yeah I reflected a lot on the frustration of desire I think it was during the Phillips fast I was teaching a course on the passions or the emotions in St. Thomas Aquinas and it made me think a lot of his reflection on sorrow for so for St. Thomas the passion of sorrow is not just like sadness like my boyfriend broke up with me or my uncle died it's any loss of a good you once had so it's the feeling you have when you have that or it's any frustration of desire I want the cheeseburger I can't have it therefore I feel sorrow and he talks about the goodness of moderate sorrow and the reason that moderate sorrow is good is because all these things 
these goods that we have, either a relationship with somebody or the food that we have, these are legitimate goods from God, but they aren't everything. None of these particular goods are God. And it's too easy for us to become content with these goods and to be settled with them or make them into everything. And so whenever these desires are frustrated or whenever we lose these goods, they're an invitation to seek out that good that satisfies, that Mm -hmm. infinite perfect Mm -hmm. good that is God, or to seek the water that if we drink, we will never again thirst. And so to use all these frustrations of desires Mm -hmm. that we have with our food. And I noticed in myself, um, one of the temptations was, was to give myself extra comforts in any other area because (laughs) of how much I was suffering in the fast. Like I deserve this because I'm doing the fast instead of leaning into that sorrow, that discomfort, and using that as an invitation to seek more deeply the heart of Christ and like mm. rest in God. Mm. Yeah, that that's huge. And I, that was one of the other things that I had been working on for years before these new, new revelations was this, um, how is this, how are these sacrifices and the little rewards like, like you said, Libby, the realization of tomorrow's a feast, and I can eat. I, I, you're much more attentive to those things, and much more attentive to, to this, the this, this liturgical, spiritual aspects of of fasting and feasting, and giving and taking. But, but how how is this actually making me more aware of of what true sacrifice is and and what true joy is and how i mean even somebody said one time and this was so convicting to me as you can imagine they said if you if you think a snickers bar tastes better than than a bell pepper there's something like wrong mm-hmm. with you and it's like but we we become so accustomed to sugars and things like that that our bodies just adapt to all those sugars but but i mean how many people would say oh i just love a good bell pepper alone with nothing else on it well yeah you're healthier than i am sandy but i like i could just like eating one and like like just savoring that taste of that thing and 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 when we simplify that i have all these thoughts libby i need to share with you later mm-hmm. on the most recent catholic stuff podcast i was listening today and it has um some like we were talking yesterday about about um Anyway, about some aspects of, of Nietzsche and 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 Kant and Freud, but anyway, um, but then there was something about how um, those philosophers' skepticism has is a skepticism of natural law of of the, what God has given us of those gifts, and so if we if we and our whole society is following that skepticism, so if we jettison. Um, the skepticism of what's already around us, of God's creation, of God's giftedness to us, um, and therefore, like like. I'm hearing you say Thomas says is a, uh, a an understanding of what sorrow can bring and a little bit of tension, a little bit of anxiety uh, along with those rewards. And, and because that's what growth is. That's of course what maturity is. That's what a growth in wisdom is and an understanding of the truth of the way things are because we live in a world where the devil's attacking um, all the time. And we, we need to be resistant to that. Um, but real quick, we are, we're at an hour right now, but Sandy, Libby, do you guys have any other spiritual insights that you did not talk about yet that you gained in this fast? Can I say one very quick thing? Please. I, I just wanted to share that uh, I was thinking of this as Libby was speaking. I had just reread this in the Philokalia this morning that um, Evagrius talks about gladly sorrow. And so I had like, I had a note in the Philokalia that says mm-hmm. sorrow is not the same as despondency and despair. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just thought that was, that was fun. Oh, she's got it too. <laughs> Twinning. Same, same edition of the Filioque. Or not the Filioque. Yeah. <laughs> We're not filioque. talking about the Filioque. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. The uh, Philokalia. So yes, gladly sorrow. It also reminds sweet. me, have, have either of you, Libby or Sandy, have you read the C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy? 
Yes. Oh. Um, it's, uh, who said yes, Libby? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's like that scene when, when we talk about grasping at, um, particularly at food, but at any, like, and Father Michael talking about the bell pepper and like really just enjoying the, the taste of the bell pepper makes me think of the scene in Paralandra when he like takes the fruit off the tree and he eats the one fruit and it's just totally nourishing, totally amazing, everything he wants and desires. And then he goes to reach for a second one because of that. And he's just like, mm. I don't need this. Because it because Paralandra, like the planet he's on is kind of like it's it's before the fall. And so he's just like not he's just satisfied with with the one that anyways, that's what it makes me think of. Mm-hmm. Right. Any other insights, ladies, <laughs> that we didn't talk about? Talk about Kanye um, West. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll go first, and you end on like the best note, right? Um, so one of the other images that I reflected on when Father Nathan gave us the section from the Triodian to read, and I think I was reading um, Catherine Osiena's dialogues at the same time, is the image of fat souls. And so if I were to like give a one-liner of the fast, it would be that the goal of the fast is not a thin waistline, but a fat soul. Mm-hmm. And so because what happens, I was talking earlier about our desire for these particular goods, and these are indeed good. But you talk about this a lot, Father, is these goods were made to serve us and we were made to serve God. But it's too easy for us to begin to serve these goods. I become a slave to my stomach or to my phone or to my sexual desires or whatever these other goods are that God has given us. And so when we give ourselves over to these smaller goods like food or like our cell phone, mm-hmm. they're smaller than us. So it's like our soul shrinks around them. Mm-hmm. And But we're made for God and God is bigger than we are, of course, speaking metaphorically here. And so our soul has to expand in order, like this is part of the process of theosis is the expansion of the soul. And St. Catherine talks about this goal of creating fat souls and that fat souls are born out of love or suffering born with love. And it's like, this is a big part of the fast. It's like these frustrations of the desires of the suffering, but to bear them with love in order to have this freedom or this expansion of the soul to, to open us mm-hmm. up to God. Amen. Uh, Well, you talk about smart things and not talking about (laughs) Kanye West, but I mean, before that, one thing that kind of came to mind that uh, we talked about as well is just, you know, leaning into sorrow and um, specifically in the context of joy about how every joy we experience is because we faced the the chance of sorrow, Mm -hmm. right? And how um, it almost comes in that realization of this sorrow was temporary or, you know, in the anticipation of the resurrection and the anticipation of provision. So being able to lean into that fast in that way. And then obviously the great prophet Kanye West, no, I'm just kidding, um, <laughs> would talk about, you know, I, I, I sent it to Libby and Father Michael. I was like, this is the song of the fast and it is everything we need by Kanye West. <laughs> and some of those words are hilarious. And you kind of made me think about it when you were talking about the tree, but he, what does he say? He says, um, what if Eve made apple juice? <laughs> you going to do what Adam do or say, baby, let's put this back on the tree because we have everything we need. <laughs> but it is like really a side of okay um what this sorrow is it it comes at the greater joy the joy that we are provided for the joy that um i believe that i will i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living and it's just it's something that you know the lord desires to give us now it's the reason that um we get to see the resurrection etc so mm-hmm. to be able to lean into that sorrow too and anticipation and almost expectant hope i think was another big thing about saying like jesus i expect you and i know that you will come in the midst of this and then of course with that expectant hope the reality of of we know pasca is coming mm-hmm. and uh 
this year we went big. We'll have to go big again next year <laughs> with our with our goats and our beer and all of them. You know, this is yeah. actually really, uh, well, I guess it's only semi-appropriate. I was going to say this is appropriate because it's coming out during the next fasting period, but it's coming out a week before it's over. But still, it's kind of cool. <laughs> right? Oh, I see. For uh, Peter Paul. Yeah. Isn't this coming out yeah. the 22nd, I think? I, yeah, I think so. You're right. A week before. Yeah. Because yeah, we start new fast Janu- uh, June 1st. Not June wow, 1st. Wow, that's right. We don't start June 1st. Wow. We start eight days after Pentecost. Which is like the thirteenth or something. Monday after All Saints. Okay. Yes. So it's well, it's pretty it's really this. it's pretty short if. this year. Yeah. So the Apostles Fast starts eight days after Pentecost, and it goes until um, the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul on June 29th. So this year it starts on, I think the thirteenth is the Monday. Okay. Um, the reason I know this is because my feast day. <laughs> Uh, is on a Friday this year, and I wanted to have a cookout at um, one of the Ukrainian priest's families. Uh, I wanted to have a cookout at their house for my feast day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shoo, it's Friday. And then Mother Gabriella was like, it's a fast free week. Uh, because the week after Pentecost, there's no fasting even on Wednesday and Friday. So, and then the fast starts right after that. Amen. So. All right, well, thank you. Thank you all. We, uh, we conclude with prayer intentions. So we ask our listeners to pray for whatever's on our minds. If you guys want to think of a few prayer intentions. Um, but I do want to say, just vocalize what I think everybody, everybody listening knows. Um, your, your spiritual father is a mess. And I, I just want to like say that, like, I'm very proud of all of you that, that you do very, very well, even with that being the case and, uh, and your ability to, uh, listen to God and do what he's doing and really like throw yourselves into these things and to trust the church and to trust God and to trust the process and all those things um, when I'm when I'm obviously been very obviously falling very short. So thank you for that witness. That that was one of the things I got out of this. Too. <laughs> Our spiritual father is also the best, even though he eats a lot of beets and rice. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, um, think of your prayer intentions. I'm going to do the spiel. I'm going to do a little out of order, Mother, just because I'll do the spiel for what people need to check out and then to give people a little more time to consider prayer intentions. Great. Um, but uh, for our listeners, we are on all the platforms, but on, I was just checking today. I haven't checked in months, but I was checking um, your your comments and your recommendations on Apple Podcasts um, because I know that has a lot to do with how many people get our podcast um, put in front of them and especially the way that we evangelize other Christians and make ourselves known to Roman Catholics. I think it's good to get our, our podcast out there for hopefully humble reasons, not arrogant reasons. Um, so please check us out on those and, and like and rank and whatever it is, recommend us and, and comment on it if you would, especially on Apple Podcasts. We are on Instagram, we are on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Potter Michael O. We have a Goodreads page where you can see what we're reading and then talk about what you're reading and have discussion with our media team. On the Goodreads page, we are also on YouTube, audio only. Uh, we have our own Patreon. If you want to support us, um, just look up what God is not on Patreon and all proceeds go to our nonprofit, Fotina. You can go to fotina.org and see what we're doing and why. Um, 60% goes to evangelization, 20% to the poor, 10% to the church, and 10% to another organization doing something similar to ours. Um, and then... Uh, is that everything? We have a, You can email us at whatgodisnotpodcast. You can email Mother Natalia 90% of the time, me 10% of the time, at uh, whatgodisnotpodcast uh, 
at, at Gmail. Gmail. Mm-hmm. At Gmail. And um, yeah, so my prayer intention is going to be for, please pray for Libby's travels that will be almost not at this point, but she's traveling a lot of different places, um, sometimes on her own and places that are, are not always completely uh, helpful to Christians or the women traveling alone. Um, so please, you're not alone at all, are you? Or are you alone? I am, yeah. You Quite are a bit alone. in Turkey. Yeah. I, I totally trust you in Turkey, but she's going to be doing a, a, a lot of hiking and climbing. So please pray for Libby, especially her protection and her travels, that she comes back to our parish and to be safely. Um, also, please pray for Sandy um, as she continues working the grind at this parish and saving souls, doing RCIA and uh, other education of various people <laughs> of various ages and bringing people to Christ. Um, as you continue on, do you have any travels coming up, Sandy? Oh man, uh, I think I I do. I just everything's a flurry. Um, we'll going see. to a wedding in Portland and conference in Arizona and okay. City. Well, and pr- her birthday is tomorrow, which will not be tomorrow oh, for our nice. listeners, but okay. Friday, May twentieth. Mark it down. Pray for that as well, and pray for uh, Mother Natalia as well, of course, as she mm-hmm. continues to thrive and be the the heart of the church as well as leading others um, to the heart of the church, which is truly Christ and his wisdom. So I also have travels. You were going to say that I'm going to be there. <gasps> you forgot. You're be... Oh, so mother. You asked is me going... beforehand if you had permission to say that. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was just saying it to the ladies here. I did not mean on the podcast. But oh. Okay. Um, I don't remember the dates, mother. Mother, mother will be in L.A. Uh, for yet another retreat, which will be great to see her um, in August. 16th she doesn't she's not that much time for us we haven't quite figured out when the days are that she will have time for us and but we'll hopefully record at least one recording live but um please pray for mother's travels as well when she comes to la for her annual retreat and um i'm honored to be her retreat master yet again and uh and to just hang out with her as well so i promise i will try my best not to get covid this time (laughs) um great my prayer intention please pray for um uh everyone who desires to fast who does struggle with eating disorders like Libby was talking about I think that is a really difficult balance and um and takes a lot of discernment for them for their spiritual father spiritual mother etc and so just um pray for the grace and for for patience and healing and perseverance for for people who struggle with eating disorders and desire to fast Amen Ladies. I want to pray for our parish communities, the Mm -hmm. Proto-Cathedral and our outreach. We have many exciting um, initiatives going on. Pray for St. John's Seminary for all the formators. For myself, that I will be a better person, better better sister, better mother, better professor and formator to these men. And then by the time this comes out, we will have many newly ordained priests and deacons. So pray for all of our newly ordained priests and deacons in the Southwest. We have a lot of good men. Amen. Yay. I want to pray for i've been i've been gearing up and coming this friday uh, i work at a latin right parish so this friday we will have confirmations so we'll have about 35 high schoolers and confirmed so yeah just praying for their openness and their preparation for that time and also my niece was just baptized a couple of weeks ago so for her uh my friend i will not say who actually by this time she will probably have said it that my one of my best friends skylar just had her third baby and so she's kind of leaning into that transition which i'm gonna go play with one of their kids while another one has a baseball game in a second and 
lastly, I found out recently that um, somebody I know in Colorado, Daniel, passed away in a car accident. It was quite sudden. So just, you know, prayers for the repose of his soul and his family and all those that loved him. Amen. All right. Love you, Mother. Love you. Love you guys. Thank Sandy, you. it was so great to meet you. Libby, it was so, so nice great to, to meet see you. you. I hope to see both of you in August. Yes. that. Love you too, ladies. And I will finish with a blessing. May the bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord direct your steps and may you know he is. May you respond to his voice. May you desire what is best for you, even if it is hard sometimes. May you grow in mind and soul and body so that holiness becomes more attractive, but also becomes more effective in your life. May our Lord give you and all those who are listening everything that you need, even to the salvation of your soul. May our Lord bless you with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.